<laughs> oh, we're a joke. Absolutely. There you go. Welcome back to Stadio Podcast on Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. A very smug Musa Kwonga, I should add. <laughs> I'm Ryan Hunt. How are you, Ryan? More importantly. You know how I am. You know full well how I am, all right? <laughs> it's been a weekend full of um, extremes. I got a lot of big wins this weekend. Yeah, you did. Lewis Hamilton, yeah. Rafael Nadal, yeah. Yeah. LeBron James. Yeah. And uh, yeah, not, uh, your, not your beloved Wolfsburg Frauen though, so... Huh. No. <laughs> oh no, oh no. Yeah, that was painful. Not a clean sweep. Yeah, um, so we have to just say this. I mean, look, it is a friendly... I'm wearing a, a roll neck today. You're wearing a cardigan today. Although, actually, I did say this. I probably spend more time writing in a cardigan than I ever actually spend wearing a roll neck. But and I don't even mind roll necks that much, to be honest. I just It was the Stadio listenership that... Turned it to culture war. Made me radicalised. <laughs> Turn it to a cultural. Check but, me out, big straight white guy energy blaming someone else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, just to explain the cultural. Um, those of you who've listened to study for a while will know that there is a friendly rivalry between Rolnicks and Cardigans to the extent that somebody, <laughs> when Arsene Wenger was interviewed by the Observer New Review magazine, a Stadio listener, shout out to at Sedentary Gary on Twitter, actually wrote in and said, at the beginning of autumn, what would you rather be wearing? A cardigan or a roll neck? And Wenger not only answered, but they put his answer. They basically like trailed it on the front of the actual magazine, which is wild, <laughs> which also suggests there's Stadio listeners who I shall not name within. <laughs> we have infiltrated, ladies and gentlemen. Agents inside the big, the big old school news. We have news infiltrated, network. yes, yes. Big media. We've infiltrated big media. Truth out. And Wenger actually answered, and this is the answer that he gave. I take issue with the framing of the question. Yes, yes, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So Gary said, Gary, by the way, who is now officially um, our honorary lifetime studio president for making this happen, says, coming into autumn, would you prefer a roll neck or cardigan? And Arsene Wenger says, a roll neck jumper, because I like to go out in nature and spend time in the forest with the trees. And I like freedom of movement. To the point where I was like, did Musa write <laughs> He's managed to frame the wearing of a roll neck into an EU argument. A pro-EU argument, exactly. <laughs> it's just, I could, you know, I can imagine Moose's face going all Tom Hanks in Green Mile, just being like, this just, is everything You should have ever. seen my face. Uh. If you could have seen my face when I saw that answer, because it's perfect. It's like, it's poetic. It's elegiac. It's philosophical. And just the freedom of movement thing, I was like, what on earth is that doing in there? And I was like, it's almost as if, put it this way, he could not have written a more controversial opinion if he were actually listening to Stadio. Like he gave that answer as if he listens to Stadio. Who knows? Who knows? I really, I really hope he does. Arsene, if you're out there, can we get an interview? That would be amazing. Someone talk to us about the art of, I don't know, just answering everything in a really poetic fashion. It's funny because the answer he gave is the most Wenger answer ever. And if you read the entire interview, which is great, I recommend. He answers questions, like hundreds of questions sent in, of course. He answers every question in a way that only Wenger could answer. Yeah. Which is just Special great. dude, man. Special dude. But, you know, 
I got a load of people just being like, take the L. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but he's worn cardigans before. So, I mean, if you think about it, he's thinking autumn, I'm going to be going outside or maybe, yeah, roll neck cardigan. You know, he is a 70 year old man after all, with not a lot of meat on those bones. It's a leading question. The question itself is controversial. This yeah. is why. I mean, props to Gary, but yeah. still Gary, you could have helped me out a little the bit. The question will be controversial for a long time. Can we say as well, there will not be a second referendum. I don't want a second referendum, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of this. <laughs> well, thank you, Gary. I'm going to buy a roll neck and I'm going to wear it with a cardigan and just bring everyone together like Adi Hutter. <laughs> no, I think that's right. That's right. That is the final stage of this. But can I just say thanks to Gary and thanks to Wenger for ending, for providing the perfect joke, like the, prefer- the perfect punchline to end, like the longest running joke on stereo. Cardigan wearer as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's I mean, the I don't know why we have to be both. You know, we, why, why we can't be both. To be honest, yeah. I'm both. I'm just admitting it now that has given his verdict. Anyway, yeah. Uh, right. So today, uh, well, this was the best birthday present you could have wished for, right? It was, no, no, the best birthday present I could have wished for. Don't do it. Was the Don't company. Stop it. The company of my oh, friends. Uh, the company of my uh, friends. So gross. The company of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then we posted a picture. This is the scary thing, how people now scrutinize us. We can't get away with these things anymore. Post the picture, didn't we? Of like, we went to that cafe for a very nice, um, bagels and cookies and someone an eagle-eyed listener was like ah oh, there appears to be very little hydration on this table <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie man i got home and just boshed about four pints of water <laughs> um anyway happy birthday thank you very much thank you very much yeah my 41st yeah oh, what have big. you learned in the fight like it's been a long year it has been a very long year um what have i learned never do a podcast <laughs> Don't stay up for the NBA playoffs just before you do a podcast. Actually, no, that was worth doing. That was amazing. Shout out. Uh, to yeah. Do you know what? The, heat, the worst thing the Heat did was win game five. <laughs> you poked the bear Miami. Yeah. If life has taught me anything, it is not to angle LeBron James when you're going to see him again in the same building <laughs> two days later. Yeah, don't do that. I <laughs> cannot and will not end well. Props to LeBron. Props to Anthony Davis. Props to the whole Lakers. No doubt. Right. Today we need to... Oh, man... Football really hates us. We, so we were gonna do, we're going to do a what-if episode today, and we are going to do a what-if episode today. Yep, yep. But then obviously the news dropped about this project, big picture. Good Lord. With the Premier League and the money for the Football League and stuff like that. We're going to do that as a little mini bonus, and we'll put that out before Thursday's episode. Yep, yep. So today we're going to quickly dive into a little bit of Women's Super League and Frown Bundesliga because there were some really big results in that over the weekend. And then we'll get onto the what-ifs. Yep. But this isn't going to be a, a monumental, long, long, long what if episode. It'll be we'll just pick a, a few. Yeah. Any uh, any admin we need to do before that? You got a piece going up on the Ringer this week. Yeah, that's right. That, please look out for that. Ringer.com forward slash soccer. And yeah, if you want to buy our theme music, it's available at stadio.bandcamp.com. We're donating all the money. All the info about who we're donating to is on there. It's min- minimum three euros, but you can pay what you want. And yeah, I think that's all the admin. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with football. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. 
And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man, it was a really big weekend in the Super League and in the Frauen Bundesliga. Where do you want to start? Should we start in Germany first? Because it- Yeah, that was big. That big and bad for Wolfsburg. I suppose the most pivotal result came when Wolfsburg played Freiburg. Mm. One all draw. And okay, this highlighted a few problems. So... Wolfsburg drew, which means they're now two points behind Bayern, six games played. And there are multiple problems here. So Wolfsburg drew one all, and the headline is that there's an injury to Alex Pop, which follows mm. injuries to Ava Pior and Pauline Bremer, who's out with an ACL tear. And now Pop has gone, and all of a sudden, well, you could argue three of the most decisive, well, certainly three of the most decisive players for Wolfsburg in this campaign are out. Mm-hmm. And another problem is that Freiburg, in, uh, they uh, equalised, I think, in the final minute, like in injury time. And the key strategic area here is that Wolfsburg have made all five of their subs really quite early in the game. Mm. So Wolfsburg were down to 10 and played the remainder of the game, including five minutes of injury time, a player short. And this is bad for Wolfsburg all round. Strategically, it's bad for the coach, Stefan Lersch, because it you know, questions his decision-making. Pop's injury now deprives them of an essential player in about four different positions, yeah. arguably five. And they're now going to fight the rest of the league, possibly about like their leader. And this already was shaping up to be the most open Frauen Bundesliga in years. Yeah. To be honest, the fact that it was even close against Freiburg, considering how they're doing the league at the moment, speaks volumes for the weight, the, the jump in quality. Potsdam looking good. Bayern have just strengthened. I mean, Schuller, Leo Schuller starting on the bench for them. Yeah, they beat Hoffenheim 4-0 away, right? Yeah, they did. They did 4-0. Yeah, very interesting times in the Frauen Bundesliga and Wolfsburg will not have it all of their own way. We thought that at the start of the season, even more so now. It's a bit all over the place, the Frauen Bundesliga this season, because Freiburg, who, you know, Freiburg last season, I just don't think you'd expect, well, a team in ninth in the, in the Bundesliga, I just don't expect you, you wouldn't expect them to take a point off Wolfsburg. No. And Bayern are absolutely flying at the moment. They've played six, won six, scored 20 and haven't conceded a single goal yet this yep. season. So they've really leveled up. And Turbina as well looking good. Actually, I don't think that many would have expected them to be in the third place yet. But this new partnership with Hertha, maybe you might be seeing that come to fruition, but they've, they're still unbeaten as well and they're level on points with Wolfsburg now. Yeah. Which I think is a, it's going to worry Wolfsburg a little bit, but there's a key game next weekend because Bayern host Turbina. That could be really handy for Wolfsburg who play uh, Duisburg at home on the same day. Maybe this is the year, you know, that it shifts. I mean, Wolfsburg, I just don't think of the side that they have been over the last few years. No. And it, I, um, I know we said this before, but it felt like the Champions League was the crest of a wave. Yeah. All the transition coming. And the frightening thing for Wolfsburg is they've got precisely injuries they could not afford. Yeah, definitely. Let's jump to the Women's Super League. Yeah. 
the only game on Saturday was Tottenham Manchester United. Still no Alex Morgan for Spurs. But Spurs did well. Like it was a really tough game for Manchester United, who managed to grind out a one 0 win. Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, they've slotted in quite well, I think, at Manchester United. Tobin Heath assisted for Millie Turner. Kristen Press went off just after half time. But again, Manchester United looking to kind of capitalise on a potential top three spot here because Manchester City are, I wouldn't say they're struggling. I think losing to Chelsea away isn't really a... The Brighton it's not, draw. It's not, it's not any, it was the Brighton draw, yeah. And they, they just struggled to click straight away. They're still integrating. Sam Mewes has started to really fire, but Rose Lavelle isn't starting still. She's, she came off the bench against Chelsea on Sunday. Chelsea won 3-1 and Emma Hayes after the game, she just said, yeah, we were ruthless and we probably should have had a few more. And I think that's right. They, they kind of tore City apart in that first half. Can I be honest with you? Chelsea Man City, this game was foreshadowed by the game in the Community Shield start of the season. Mm. A lot of the, it's so strange how those two clubs have had the same problem. Like Sam Kerr's finishing was still a bit off actually in this game as it was off at the start of the season. And we put that down to just pre-season sluggishness. I think it's still fair. I think it is, I wouldn't say it was, um, struggling you're right I say they're sluggish but there's a, there's an essential element of sharpness they're both lacking and it's costing them and the problem is in, in a league that's competitive you have to get up to good starts you know Kerr missed and the thing that saved Kerr of course is her movement is still brilliant so her movement for the you know her goal which ended up being decisive was, was superb um, you're right City's still looking to accommodate new pieces and the clubs that have got off to the flying starts, I mean, like Everton are not going away. This is the thing. It's clear now. Yeah. They're not, I mean, they, they had a great win against West Ham. Yeah, they did. I mean, just before we move on from that, I think like yeah, sure. one thing it's worth pointing out with Chelsea is like how, how much uh, Frank Kirby is adding to that already pretty stacked Chelsea squad. Unbelievable, yeah. You know, you play a front three of Penny Lajada, Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby. I mean, there, are, there aren't many defences in the world that can handle that. And Frank Kirby coming back to full fitness and just really good to see her playing again. She got she scored and assisted one in this game. And, you know, they've got people like Sophie Ingle to come off the bench and Beth England to come off the bench. Sophie Ingle was absolutely decisive last year as well. She was brilliant. Yeah. 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 I just thought Chelsea were brilliant, fully deserved the win. They move up to third, well, they remain third, sorry, ahead of Manchester United on goal difference. Everton, like you said, a second after another win, this time at home to West Ham, 3-1. This could be tricky, you know. I mean, if you think, if you look at that top five, Arsenal, Everton, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, and then you've only got, a, Reading are only a point behind Manchester City. Every point is going to count. And I think that right. what Everton are doing really well is that they're beating the sides that they absolutely know they have to beat in order to stay in contention. You know, they've got a tricky one next week against Brighton. They come through that okay. Chelsea play Everton next. Now, that's a game to, to keep your eyes on. Yeah. Because I think those two teams, despite Arsenal's outstanding start, I think those squads, arguably, I mean, the Everton squad is really deep and I would say the Chelsea squad is the best balanced. I just got a funny feeling those two are going to be really, really in the mix. I think, I think it will be Chelsea, Arsenal and Everton towards the end. I just feel like I worry that City have dropped too many points already. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing this about is this so league, early, but still a worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the thing about this league is that I think what Arsenal are doing really well, for example, because they had another great win on the weekend. They beat Brighton 5-0 away. Yeah. I mean, they had a bit of a scare in midweek against Manchester uh, against Chelsea in the Conti Cup. So it's, it's the cup competitions at the moment that Arsenal are struggling with. They went out in the FA Cup to Manchester City a couple of weeks ago, lost against Chelsea in the week, came back this weekend with a really good win. Daniela van der Donk is now starting to 
find her groove a little bit because she started the season on the bench a lot of the time, missed most of the preseason because of an injury. Mm. And also, when you've got someone like Viv Miedemar, who, you know, Arsenal kind of, they didn't really come out firing that much. And then Miedemar hits the shot from the edge of the box that you're just like, oh yeah, that's the difference actually. You have probably like the top five, top three, maybe even the best all-rounded forward player in the world yeah, at your disposal there on her day. That's the difference. Like no one can handle that. No. She got a second, she got the fifth as well to seal the game. Arsenal have started the season with a real vengeance. Like, yeah, but it's like you said before, though, Arsenal tend to really struggle against sides like Manchester City and Chelsea. Mm. So if they can obliterate everyone else and yeah. pull as far out in front as possible and just hope for the odd slip-up, they're beating everyone they've ex- they, they will hope to beat. They face Spurs next week. And whilst this Spurs side is stronger than it has been, well, definitely stronger than it was last season and the season before when they were in the Championship, they've, won- they've lost three straight. Yeah. You know, and they've not actually won a game in the league this season. Yeah, it's a derby, but it's a, still a little bit different to the to the derby in the men's. The points that Arsenal are going to drop this season are probably going to come against Chelsea, potentially against Everton and you know, maybe Man United and Manchester City. So they have to they have to basically hammer everyone below them. Yes. Yeah. But the Women's Super League is shaping up already to be super interesting this year. All eyes on the Women's Super League. Indeed. Um let's take a break, come back with some what ifs. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back from the break. It's what if time. Let's do it, let's do it. Oh, actually, before we're doing what ifs, we should probably say we're going to do another Stadio Sessions on Friday. Yep, yep. I don't think it's going to have a theme. I think it's just going to be a load of music and a load of football commentary. Cool, cool. So, yeah, Friday night. Keep an eye out on our Twitter, at Stadio. We'll post all the info. Uh, Friday night, European time, that is. Okay, so what ifs. This one from Destiny Vernon. What if Real Madrid don't get knocked out of the 2015 Champions League semis by Juve? Do you think Real Madrid would have gone five for five on Champions League? Oh my goodness. That is a question. God, can you imagine a Classico final in Berlin? And we were that here. Would have been, that would have created a singularity. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Um, Before we go on from that though, I think that was the one thing that that 2009 to 2015-16 Classico missed was a Champions League final. Oh my god. There'd goodness. been a Classico Champions League final at some point through that time. I think it would have been. I think it would have. I don't know, man. I don't think you get Brexit and I don't think you get Trump and I don't think you get all of the other shit that happens. <laughs> I think that's true. Okay, look. Okay, or me... it goes even further the other way because we don't deserve a Classico Champions League final and then actually the ast- one of those asteroids that missed actually hit. Or it becomes, pu- actually, I think you're right. It becomes worse because that will be the first populist final. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Barca Real in Berlin, it's the most populist final. In a city like Berlin as in well. In a city like Berlin. Oh my goodness. There would have been theses written about that. I still think Barca win it, by the way. I still think Barca win it because those who watched 2015 final, they'll remember that Barca were running the show, completely dominating it until 
Danny Alves chose to play a crossfield pass for no reason at all. <laughs> Just because he got bored. Right into the path of the most lethal press in European football at that time. He hit a 40-yard crossfield pass across the face of his own... I mean, don't even... So, of course, it got intercepted. And, of course, Maratha ended up scoring because Maratha did that. And I don't think that Real, even in a one-off game, had the kind of antidote for that Barca. They didn't have the antidote for that Barca. I think Barca still win that. Um, and I think it does... It's a weird one with Real because a big defeat for Real Madrid doesn't necessarily dim their enthusiasm for more trophies. Mm. But I don't think the three in a row happens. I think baby Neymar stays because Barca beat Real on the biggest stage in the world and think of the social media engagement and the advertising things that come up. Think of the spin-offs. Think of the epic computer games that get created just because Barca beat Real in that game. It becomes like, it becomes a mythical final. One thing we haven't, one thing we don't really have that much of, you know, like when a Real beat Eintracht in, what was it, 1960? That's a mythical 7-3. I guess we've had a couple of mythical Champions League finals to compare to that. I think this would have been another one. And I think this, I think for Barca to beat Real, it would have enshrined this club in legend in a way even beyond 2011. And Neymar would have looked and been like, how can I give away the keys to this kingdom? Because maybe beating Juve in the final did not feel as grand. Because look, mm-hmm. people haven't heard of Barca Juve as a game. It, it's not, it's not, it's not, they, have, they have heard of it, but it's not revered in South America like Barca Real. It's not revered like that. I think Neymar stays at Barca if they win in, if they win in 2015 over Real. Mm, yeah, I, I'm, to be honest, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters if, because they won anyway. I don't think the outcome of that Champions League final really matters but for Neymar. I think the symbolic conquest over Real in that game on that stage. Mm, yeah, maybe. I mean, the Clasico in March, Barca won 2-1. Yeah. They lost the one in October at the Bernabeu 3-1, but they won the two before that. So they were on a decent run. Three of the, They won three of the last four Clasicos that would have led into the final. Yeah. But Barca in that final were just on another level, I think. They were. I do think that they would have had too much for Real in a final. Mm. The thing that I'm really interested in is like the kind of psychological impact of that afterwards. I think it creates an existential crisis mm. because it's something you can't avoid or ignore. It's something you just can't look away from. I think it has impacts beyond just that, that defeat on the night. Because the following year, they won the first one under Zidane. I mean, they got a pretty <laughs> favourable draw, it has to be said. Like, no one's going to look at, like, Real winning and be like, oh, but they had to go through, like, Forsberg and Man City, neither of whom were particularly good. No, one's, no one cares about that. They just see the trophy. Do you think there's a chance that they win it at all, though? Because, I mean, obviously there is a big chance. They won the year before and they won the year after, so this is not like we're talking about some slouches. Mm. But what if they do win it? In 15? Yeah. I mean, in 15, they don't win. They don't win like four out of five because everyone's gunning for you earlier and the people gunning for you have better teams. Like the thing about, the interesting thing about 15, 16, when they they won the three in a row was they kind of crept up on the outside rail and no one really paid attention to what's happening until it was too late. Yeah, because they were a bit of a mess, weren't they actually? Yeah, and Barca kind of chose to weirdly implode. You know, Bar- Barca were basically the front runner and then like trip themselves up. Yeah, I weirdly think that whoever, li- if, the, if, if there's a Classico final in 2015, 
the I think whoever loses it actually implodes completely. I worry about like the kind of psychological tremors that that sends through, or like the shockwaves that that sends through both clubs. Because losing a Classico final, it's trauma. Like in Europe, is God. I can't even think about it in front of everyone. Yeah, I personally still think Barca have enough to win that final. Yes, but what I would say is I think that whoever I I think if Real Madrid do lose that, I don't think they win the three. I don't think so. Can I say this as well? The real turning point in all of this, and I said this before on the podcast, was the sacking of Andoni Zabizarreta as sporting director. Yeah, but he's already fired, right? Yeah, but that, so- that, that, but that was that was the turning point because. I think that, weird enough, in this season was the turning point of everything. I think if he stays at Barca, the implosions don't happen. Yeah, but he's already gone. And then so basically, if they do lose it, I think that what you're seeing now accelerates to 2015-16 for Barca. I think stuff really goes wrong and it goes wrong fast. I agree. I agree with that. Because I think the reactions, the Bartomeu regime having sacked Zubazoreta and then obviously Puyol leaving as well, I think reacts to a Champions League final, Classico defeat really 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 badly and really reactionary i actually think that the de- the deterioration of barca happens potentially overnight because i just don't think they had the structure there in 2015 to genuinely kind of think right this is how we're going to do it i agree obviously enrique's gone say for example if real madrid lose the final i don't think they win those three straight they may win one i don't i can't see them winning all three just because of the the hangover and I think for Barca, the implosion happens sooner. I agree with that. Thanks, Destiny. I love that question. Awesome. Oh, just the fact that we get to talk about a hypothetical Classico Champions League final. Oh my goodness. Here's the other thing as well about that. Mm. Zidane was here. He was yeah, in he was here, yeah. Berlin. Yeah, he was here knocking about in the Adidas Center in, um, in Vedding mm. with Ander Herrera and Ozil. He was here. That's the Vedding. Oh, that would have been wild. All right. One from my good friend, Justin Salhani. Mr. Gorilla FC. Yep, yep. Justin says, what if Ronaldinho was born in 1998? Where would he be today? And what teams would he be looking to sign for? Oh my gosh, that is a question. Oh my God, what a question. Okay, so how old is he now? How old would he be now? 22. Um, Young Brazilians coming into Europe in terms of safe landings would opt, they they generally would opt for, I mean, obviously PSG is where he went before. PSG, Holland, traditionally, Spain. I think he's at somewhere like Benfica. I think he's in Portugal. It's a good shout. Benfica's a good shout. I think he signs for a club in Portugal about 18. Like the Joao Felix type route. Yeah, or like, you know, the James Rodriguez, Falcao, Jackson Martinez, and a lot of these people kind of coming through in Portugal. Pepe. With Ronaldinho, his team put him somewhere where he could get plenty of games and then put him in the shop window for a bigger move using... So he would go to Benfica... (laughs) Oh no, he'd go to Benfica and his management team after a great season at Benfica would use Manchester United as leverage <laughs> to get a move. Oh, are you saying that like Ronaldinho is going to be the new Nicholas Gaetan of Manchester United? No, he'd be the old Ronaldinho. So the, th- the same thing would happen again. Oh. He would again, he would again use Manchester United as leverage to get a huge contract and a deal to Real Madrid because that's now the direction of travel for brilliant Brazilians. They've got the line now. Rail have got the kind of pipeline on elite talent. So even if they don't get him, even if they manage to snatch him before Ben could get him, they get him eventually. You could even argue now the quality of Rail's scouting is such that he ends up 
straight away at Real Madrid. You could argue that. Maybe. That makes sense. There's part of me that weirdly thinks he might end up at Atletico after Benfica. I don't think he'd go to a club who gets so little of the ball. Yeah, but I just don't think it would matter that much. Right, so Ronaldinho was brilliant with the ball at his feet, right? Yeah. So if you've, you've got to think of the context like of today's game. Right. There are very few players that played like Ronaldinho around today yep. in the same way. Same skill sets, patterns of play, all of this kind of stuff. So he's a bit of a wild card. So he actually fits really well in a side like, like Atleti. Because if you think, you can sacrifice the left side and be like, we're going to soak up so much pressure. But when we do get the ball, it's like Nicola Pepe when he played at Lille. Yes. Nicola Pepe is a counter-attacking player who is really, really good in a side that is set up to defend quite well and counter-attack because they're the outlet. Can't get the ball off them. I think that's the kind of side that Ronaldinho goes into nowadays. I think someone like Real Madrid, yeah, sure. Someone like Atleti would kind of be more of a fit for him because he doesn't need anyone else around him. I, I think he'd be amazing there, to get me wrong. I think he'd be even better than Joao Felix because he is better. Like, Why pick? Have both. True, Run true. On the left, Joao Felix up front. Although I just think the thing about Real, weird enough, With is Luis Suarez, that is a... Sh- that is a- bastard front three. It's terrifying. The only thing I think about Rail is that he basically would sew together the, intri- the entire front line in a split second. Like he'd just turn up and be like, I can do anything with these pieces. That was his genius. He could assemble anything. And you, I mean, he was so mobile. He could play across the front line. He could finish. He could initiate. I... He'd be the piece. Yeah, he'd, he'd be the piece. If, if I look at what Joao Felix is already doing at Atleti, you wouldn't need, you could, you could, you could actually be, he would allow Simeone to have a cake and eat it. He would allow Simeone basically just to do like, have a block of six sitting deep mm. and then just let to the front, the front lot just do their thing. That's, quite, well, that's basically what they tried to do with Thomas Lamar. Yeah, it's true, but he didn't have the personality for it. It's basically like a turbocharged Thomas Lamar. You're right, you're right. No, that's a great shout. I would love to watch that team. Oh, are you kidding me? Ronaldinho at Atleti now under Simeone. <laughs> Take my money. Take my money, inject it, inject it. <laughs> who do you think he would who would be after him though say hypothetically he's at, he's at Atleti think anyone in England would look, at, look for him everyone would Man United would be after him wouldn't they you know Pep would do sign him and play as an eight <laughs> no I think Pep would play him as a false nine actually oh gosh yeah of course yeah you know Pep too well I don't think he'd trust him defensively to play him as an eight no you're right actually and to be honest my god the amount of goals he'd score Ronaldinho as a false nine do you know what I actually think he wouldn't be a bad false nine He'd be amazing. He'd be amazing. Like his his, his skill set as a false nine now, I think, would be. I mean, I think he'd get a little bit frustrated by not getting as much of the ball. Do you know what? Maybe if you play back three, play Ronaldinho left wing back. Just let him have that whole left hand side. Just like do what you want. <laughs> I thought you were going to say play him in front of the back four. <laughs> no, play him as number that's, six. That's too wild. That's too play wild. Play him as number six, mate. If I was in charge, well, you know, I think we both know if I was in charge, the football would we'd be, be well sacked. Fun. We'd be sacked after two months. You would be. I would be. After I hammer your team 5-0 or whatever, whatever team you're at. El Cardigo. El Cardigo. El Cardigo. <laughs> you know, I think part of me would really enjoy the press conference when I got sacked. I think I would really just enjoy the drama, like all eyes on me and be like, Mr. Konga, what a premature, what a humiliating failure for the project. I'd be like, yes, it's been a, a great failure for the project. I just love it. I just love being in the dark. He'd be like <laughs> pulling your roll neck over your face. Like, oh, I'm such a shy manager all alone in a big club. It'd be humiliating, but think of the attention. 
came at you. Sure, it's just the name. You'd love it. <laughs> uh, love it. All right, so we decided that Ronaldinho would probably go somewhere like Benfica and then either... You, you'd say Real Madrid, i say Atleti. Yeah. But he'd land in Madrid anyway. Yeah, he would. And then I think... Let's map out his career. I think he goes to PSG at some point just because it's the kind of thing that PSG would blow the bank for. After winning a couple of Champions yeah, Leagues. like 25, 26... PSG pay 250 million for him or something like that just because they can and why not and I think with him they win two out of three point. Champions Leagues I think they win two out I think Joao Felix him and Simeone oh no, sorry Simeone and Suarez <laughs> win they two win out two out of three. three no I don't, I don't know about that man yeah why not why not it's a what if oh we yeah, can't oh, imagine anything in football oh no but, but I won't I'd imagine anything for football but I won't imagine that <laughs> Ryan Meatloaf Hun listen <laughs> Two out of three Champions Leagues. Do you know what? That is the worst thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> That's why I said it. That's why I said it. Now, fuck you, Musa. <laughs> 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 and then I think he ends up in China. Yes, why not? For some reason, there's part of me that thinks that Ronaldinho playing now is just done at 28. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. I think he'd go to China for a bit and then I think he'd end up at the LA Galaxy. Or Miami, maybe. Yeah. Uh, cheers, Justin. <laughs> Great question. I can't believe I just told said fuck you. Sorry, mate. Well, no, it is what it is. It's life. Actually, no, speak, I'm not sorry. Speak your truth. I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, but we are going to go to a break. We are. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back from the break. I like it when we reduce the amount of what ifs we do. Yeah, it's good because then you can really get into them, yeah. Are you ready for one though? Let's go. Ruri Barlow. I don't think you're ready for this one. I'm ready for everything. What if Marcelo Bielsa had become Barcelona manager instead of Tata Martino after our loco left Bilbao? (laughs) Oh my God. Put your your headphones back on. (laughs) They say, change the world with your words. I can imagine Camp Nou just being like, Bielsa, Bielsa. <laughs> just like the whole game when they've like hammered Atleti 9-0 or something. And like Simeone's just like, what the hell is this? The football, of course, is absolutely spellbinding, but does he work them too hard? I mean, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah he does. And do they, ah, do they, oh, but having said that, but it works because they have, Zabizarreta is still there. So you have the off-field structure married to what Bielsa actually, oh my gosh, for the first time in Bielsa's career, he gets everything and all the pieces in the right place at once. And the academy is a revolution. Like you start seeing 
you see a much better transition, I think, from the academy to the first team. And you get Sergio Roberto being used a lot more sparingly, but with devastating efficiency. Um, I don't know if they necessarily win the treble in 2014-15, but their long-term development is much healthier. Maybe they win it in 13-14. Possibly, yeah. I mean, this squad is really good. Really, really good. And you still have a 34-year-old Javi and a 30-year-old Andres Iniesta in there. Can I just say this? Like, Forget what happens Pedro, on the field. Sorry, Pedro's 26. Fabregas is 27. Pique's 27. Montoya's 23. Al, uh, Valdez is still there. Neymar's 22. Sergio Busquets is still only 25 at that point. Oh my goodness. And you've, the thing that I really like about this is that I actually think there are some players in this squad that would really flourish under Bielsa. Like, I think maybe, well, injuries. 13-14 squad, yeah? Yeah. Okay, let's look at you this. You know, Christian Teo. Yes. And this is a bit of a leap, but Ibrahim Afalai is 28 and injuries depending. You could see someone like him actually flourish a little bit under Bielsa as well. Alexis as well. Alexis Sanchez is still there. Oh Pedro is still there. These are two of the hard, you've got Pedro and Alexis, two of the hardest working players in that Barcelona squad. Like you can hide Busquets in there. You can hide Messi from a de- defensive point of view. There's something about Bielsa that makes me think that he gets everything out of this squad. Yeah. Ryan, that's an incredible question. Okay, look, we've got Jonathan Dos Santos there. Mm-hmm. This is an unbelievable... And Mark Bartra. Look, okay, so this is the... I remember watching Teo combining with Messi really well at certain points in his Barcelona career and just wondering that if these combinations improved, that takes the pressure of someone like Pedro, right? Mm-hmm. So you're giving minutes to Afilai. Afilai was a fantastic player. They all were brilliant players. They were... Some of them, in fact, these players, these wide forwards, if anything, they just lacked confidence. And one thing that wide players, wide forwards need is to be integrated slowly into teams that are already winning so much and have certainty and consistency. And I think that Bielsa gives this team a stability with the depth that he has to rest the primary players and allows the younger players to kind of ease their way in. Look what he's done with someone like Bamford, for example. Bamford, Mm. even though Bamford doesn't always finish that well at Leeds, movement's outstanding and he keeps showing faith in him. Bamford played hardly any any games in the Premier League for several different clubs and now he leads the line for Mm. Leeds. And if you look at him, it's interesting. Bamford's an interesting case because a lot of people would have said he shouldn't be the starting striker because he's a bit too wasted in front of goal. And Bielsa's like, no, he's what we need. And if you look at like Alexis Sanchez at Barca he didn't quite get the goals and he kind of got binned off partly because he was seen as someone that couldn't quite finish the big matches but Bielsa would have said no his uses his value goes far beyond goal scoring that makes Mm. sense so I think that Bielsa gives second chances to some of these players that's such an exciting question I think that changes the face of what happens to Barca for the next four or five years do I let you get their title that year I don't think they do Ryan I mean they win it by three points in the end right I don't think they get I don't think that margin that margin doesn't exist like that because what they got the final result was the draw at the new Camp. Yeah. I don't think that this Barca squad being coached by Bielsa gives them that margin for error. I don't think it happens. That's really exciting as a question because also let's look at the fact that Alexis Sanchez was at Udinese before and he played a style that was really close to the fit is what, what, what um, Bielsa was doing at Athletic. 
So he works out how to get him pressing and scoring. He gets those goals out of him as well. I think that's a really, wow. Do we get a Classico <laughs> European Cup final? I mean, I think at this point it's Barca and anyone else. They go out to Atleti in the quarterfinals, don't they? Yeah, and Atleti went that incredible run. Weirdly enough... They only went weird. out on a goal though. Yeah, and they, they, it was a barrage. The only thing I would say about that is that I still think Atleti, I could still see Atleti weird, weird enough beating them in the Champions League only because the run that Atleti went on, mm. they were so absolutely locked in. And I've got to say, the, I watched that run. I watched the home and away games of Bayern. I watched the home and away games against um, Barca. He coached them. And this is the thing, Simeone, in the run-up to a Champions League final, is absolutely lights out tactically. And I could still see him beating Bielsa just because in two-legged match play in the run-up to a Champions League final, he's devastating. I, I think very few, very few managers beat peak Simeone, especially 2013-14 Champions League run. I, I can't see many doing it. And this is the thing, you know, the most exciting about um, Bielsa going to Barca is what it does off the field. Like, can you imagine the meals they will have late night talking about tactics? Can you imagine the times that like, there'll be training ground? I just think you'll have like really weird and lovely unexpected things like senior players turning up to watch like youth games going like, ah, oh, Marcelo, what do you think of this guy? Mm. Like, I, th- I think that Bielsa would take such an interest in, in all of the club, like the youth stuff. I think he would know the names of like that kid in the under 10s. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think he would really get into it. I'm trying to think about the, the, how that goes forward though. So you don't get Marseille, you don't get Lazio. So obviously you don't get the two-day Lazio higher. But those are horrible fits for him anyway. Yeah. I'm just wondering where he goes after Barca and how long he lasts. I can't see him doing more than four years at Barca. I mean, who can? Who can, who can do four? Yeah. This, this is weird. This, we've basically done like four what-ifs that have all sort of kind of done the same thing. 2014, he wins big. And then Argentina were like, you know what? You were so good with Messi. <laughs> Take the national team. Again? I think he should get another crack at it. 2018, maybe. Oh. He does such a good Ooh. job at Barca that he ends up... You know what? Actually, that, that, yeah. But then he doesn't go to Leeds. <gasps> Sorry, Leeds fans. Sorry, Leeds. Do you know what? Leeds. Do you know, do you know what, Leeds? You know what? Sorry. Ignore us. Ignore me. Yeah. It was, it was Ryan. What are you talking about? I'm the sensible one. I know. But I've got to dodge the... Uh, Dodge the responsibility. I mean, we've not really answered that because to be honest, it's so... Whatever happens, we know it'd be really fun. Yeah. It's Bielsa. I think it would have just been amazing to see at that time as well. And, and, and dealing with a squad that was used to pressing high, playing fast, keeping the ball. I mean, if you think like Luis Enrique kind of molded that squad into a bit of a counter-attacking squad anyway. Yes, he sacrificed um, match control for directness. Not in a negative. And they went and won the treble. One thing I will say, actually, this is going to sound a bit like a bit like a random take, but one thing that people so little talk about in the context of building successful organizations is recruitment, right? Mm. Like getting the right manager. So exciting for some people to go, oh, get Allegri, get this, get that. But actually a lot of people don't always consider it. Mm. And this is the problem with Bielsa going somewhere like Lazio in particular. It's fit, you know, in the same way, David Silva looked at Lazio and was interested because going to Serie A would be cool. And he looks at Sociedad and sees Alexander Isaac and that's a fit. And I think so often we're, we get so often, so often caught up in names, but we don't think about like 
the big picture. Um, and Bielsa is just such a perfect, I don't know why more people didn't, do they pursue him seriously? I honestly don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I'm now intrigued because I wonder how they ended up with Tata Martino actually. I mean, quite funny that they kind of basically hired a, uh, a Bielsa disciple instead of Bielsa. Which is weird, right? That will remain a really strange appointment to me. Yeah, although I still don't think he did quite as bad as everyone makes No, he, he, did, he didn't. It was more of the, the symbolism of the hire where it was just like, what are Barca doing? And that's the thing. And it, it, you look at his CV, it does stand out. What he's what Paraguay, he coached Paraguay, New Old Boys, Barcelona, Argentina, Atlanta United, Mexico. He wasn't good enough to be coaching Barcelona. I think also as well, Bielsa following a year after Pep had left. Would have made more sense than Martino in a tactical sense, I think. Controversial shout here. The death of Tito Villanova had impacts that were just, I think, just widely unanticipated. The mood, the energy, the atmosphere that created. So sad. Yeah, and it just, it just, I think it just had so many intangible and terrible impacts that Martino was someone who could manage big squads, fairly big outfits, and they were like, well, safe pair of hands. I think it's difficult to make bold, ambitious tactical choices when a club is going through an unexpected trauma like that. I mean, this is the thing. We, I, I still think that we've underestimated the impact of, of the death of Tito Villanova. Mm. Like we, it's, it's almost unprecedented, isn't it, to lose a figure that pivotal? Because the more I read about him, the more I learn about him, it was absolutely extraordinary what he did. And it's just not, it's just not a thing that's factored into Barcelona's, well, certainly within the club it is, but from the external, Mm. I often skip over this and I think, hang on a minute. Like he was absolutely, it was like, it would have been like Brian Clough losing Peter Taylor mm. at the height of Forest Run. It's not really a precedent for it. I mean, Miss Tito. Indeed, the great man. But yeah, Bielsa at Barca, I don't think any of us can really call how it would go, but I think it would be fun. super duper fun. Would you like to do one more? Yes, please. Although, can anything really follow Bielsa de Barca? <laughs> yeah, this can actually from Michael DeLuca. What if Yogi Love had stepped down after Russia at 2018? Which player, brackets, players would have benefited the most from him leaving and who would have suffered the most? Wow. I mean, for a start, you, you still have Thomas Muller involved, which I think is... Yeah. It's just wild that he's not. Give it to Wenger. Yo. Give it to Yo. Sen Wenger. Now we're talking that. And you said we couldn't follow Bielsa to Barca. <laughs> Let's do it. Wenger to Germany. Wenger to Germany is so perfect. Wow. Is that not amazing? Yes, it's the perfect job because he's finished at Arsenal. Love steps down. Wenger takes the national job because France win the World Cup. So he's not getting the France job. Oh my God. <laughs> Mesut stays with the national setup. Yes. Gnabry comes through sooner. Yes. Everybody loves him. Like none of the, like Hummels, Boateng and, all, and uh, Muller don't get outcast without telling them. No, everybody back in the pool. Everybody back in the pool. Oh my God. Yes. I love this. I love this. Bring it to Germany. It's so good. <laughs> Do we need to even carry on or should we just end it with that? <laughs> Bring it to Germany. Can just say this like... <laughs> hey, Michael DeLuca, quick question. You didn't expect that when you asked that question. Can I say this as well? I'll say, <laughs> listen, I will say this. Do you know how much this changes the game? If Fenger takes over 2018, 
I'm wearing a cardigan today. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh my God. Can you imagine the DFB cardigans when they turn up? When they turn up for away games and they got the DFB cardigans, the suits. Because they would. The DFB would bring it in. They'd have like the suit and have like the cardigan underneath it. <laughs> I would be all over that with a quickness. Can you imagine Wenger turning up to Bundesliga games? Wenger at the Classica. It's so epic. Wow. <laughs> that is, sorry, I've just, I'm transported. Can you imagine Wenger talking about populism? He would just talk about it. Like he would, he would just say like, oh, like I just think we should work together collectively. He would just bring such, you'd have Wenger and Merkel in Germany at the same time. And Wenger just saying really calm things about politics. Of course they'd ask him. And he would mm. just say something like, I just believe that the best solutions are achieved collectively. He would never actually, it would be such, he'd be the most Merkel of, 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 of football coaches at the perfect, look at the impact that like Gareth Southgate's had just being like a sensible, calm dude. Wenger would have that on, and, and, like, and just having coached the teams that he'd coached, having coached Arsenal and that like multi-culti team, what could they say? They couldn't attack him. It'd be like, you know what I mean? You, you couldn't go at him. It would be absolutely fascinating. I think that he's the kind of coach as well who would, could potentially have like a Hansi Flick style effect on the Germany national on the German national side. Absolutely, absolutely. He loves young players. I think people like Harvard, Werner, Kimmich, Gnabry obviously loves him. Uh, Sané, all of these players I think would really, really love him. But I think he'd keep the expect the experienced boys. Of, I've just sorry. I know yeah, who his assistant is. Who? Per Mertesacker. Perfect, of course. He's someone who's super respected in that Germany side. Do you remember after the Algeria game when he was interviewed and he did that amazing interview where yes, he was just like, what do you want from me? Like, what yeah. do you want from me right now? I need to take an ice bath. I'm, I'm exhausted. We just played like, you know, this is not an easy team. You know, he was one of the few players who would actually love front up yeah. in um, interviews, wasn't, like, didn't do the whole football kind of dodging the question thing. Like Mertesacker was super direct and really well respected within the national setup. Fenger taking over a Germany side with Per Mertesacker as his assistant is perfect. Can I be honest as well? Wenger then, the DFB's plans for technical centre, uh, he'd be overseeing all of that. He'd be overseeing all of that, like player development. Yeah, because let's get real. I mean, like as much as Deschamps is, is that, you know, you can't really argue with a, with a world champion. Yeah. But it's kind of criminal that Wenger will probably never manage France. Arsene Wenger. Yeah. And I mean, he was born in Alsace, which is obviously has flip-flopped between German and... I think he didn't learn to speak French until he was six. Especially I think six. He actually grew up spoke, yeah. I think he actually grew up speaking German for, his, for the first few years of his life. So this isn't a, an alien culture for him. You know, he was on TV, like I said, on Saturday speaking fluent German. You know, he is fluent in German. He speaks multiple languages. Everyone yeah. knows this. Love is obviously, you know, you, he's won a World Cup. I said at a time that he probably should have stepped down after winning the World Cup. I actually believe that as an international manager, and you, if you win a World Cup, you should just step down because your stock is only going to fall from then on. I agree. I agree. Love didn't. He stayed on. Obviously, 2018 was a disaster. And, you know, I wonder whether Ozil stays around, you know, if he knows that Wenger's coming in or whether he gets talked into staying, you know. I just think it has so many exciting cultural consequences as well. If you look at like the way mm. that the whole conversation, football, nationalism, all of that was used, I just think he's a really important stabilizing force in so many yeah. ways. 
basically, if Arsene Wenger had taken over Germany, which is what we've established is happening here in 2018, in 2020, ah, here we go. Germany's R rate for Corona. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> never gets above 0.6. Because Fader Wenger, as Mashton Panya calls yeah. him, Fader Wenger would be like, NSF1. Look out we for must, each other. We Take must have a collective, a collective yeah. solution. We need a collective solution. There you go. And you thought we should have ended on Barcelona Bielsa. <laughs> That's why I produced the show. This week, this week, <laughs> I was the catfish. I was the catfish. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks to everyone who submitted what if questions. Sorry we can't get to them all. We do get way, way too many to go through. I think we had a hundred replies to that one this week. Absolutely amazing. But yeah. we do, really do appreciate everyone who submits them. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. It's getting a little bit wild again. We're back on lockdown. I mean, well, we're not lockdown, are we? But everything's shut after 11 now in Berlin. Can't go raiding the uh, Spati for those Haribo bananas that you love. <laughs> I can't. No, they were all gone. I went past them. Yeah, you know day. why? People are getting prepped for a lockdown, man. It's like, instead of the great toilet roll shortage, it's going to be the great Haribo banana shortage. And there's only one place you can buy them as well, on that corner, and they're gone. Do you want me to order you a pack? No, online? no, it's more fun finding them. It's more fun finding them. We're going to be back with a little bonus thing about the Premier League project, bigger picture. My Good dad's old. got thoughts on it. Texted yeah. me this morning. Got a lot of thoughts on it. And then we'll be back on Thursday as well. Yep, yep. Uh, Stadio sessions on Friday. We'll put more info up online about that. And yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Stadio. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Stadio Football. Our website is Stadio.Football. It's down at the moment, but there's a contact page if you need to get in touch about anything. And anything else, Musa? Stay hydrated. Oh, short this week. <laughs> Stay Love hydrated. It. Yeah, Love listen, it. let's not be about yeah. the bush. Now he's, now he's got the uh, Wenger <laughs> co-sign. He doesn't need to hide for anything. He's just like, I've made it. I don't listen. need to prove. I've got nothing to prove. Yeah, take it's, a sip. It is what it is. Drink it in. You'll never see anything like this ever again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing out this week with Letta and Bulu. What is wrong with grooving? And we'll be back Tuesday or Wednesday and definitely Thursday. See you then. <laughs> What is wrong?